I like when they just start shitting diarrhea out of their head while they're talking to Picard. And Picard it's quite just, the power play, you know? It's how you prove right. you're the alpha. You can shit over everyone. That was the best part. We've seen it all before, so let's reload on a very special episode of shows that suck and shows that load. Buckle up, buttercup, it's a bumpy road. Going deep inside the mainframe, secret code. Some of this shit stinks, some of it's gold. It's ABC, featuring the VIPs of SBT. Austin G and Dr. DB, with our AT&C money. Weird TV is their specialty They might be all four or just one, two, or three Cause they're old and kinda busy So go get ready and take a peek So set your phases to a download A rarity that we had bestowed Special moments no one would have shown Open your body holes cause you're gonna get told Grab yourself a drink and let's unload in a very special episode. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode podcast where we review science fiction episodes that are thinly veiled allegories of environmental issues that, since this episode is over 25 years old, have surely been addressed in a meaningful way. Mm. I'm David Bittenhofer, and with me is the person who would die to prove their science is correct. Carolyn Maine. Oh, yeah. What science are you going to die for? Um, doing it. <laughs> the science of sex. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest of science. And the person who won't stop jumping up on my console. Right, Alexander Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you to get down. <laughs> I, 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 I cannot be trained. Yeah, I think Ryan's are undrainable. I think we figured that one out already. Uh, <laughs> Today we are reviewing Star Trek The Next Generation, Season 7, Episode 9, Force of Nature. A Federation ship has gone missing. As the Enterprise seeks out this vessel, they come across two scientists who claim warp drive is destroying their home. Are these scientists correct, or is this just a conspiracy cooked up by the fake news science elites? Also, Data has a cat that's misbehaving. So, uh, we've already, Carolyn, you and I have already done an episode with Austin, right? Yes, it had Ashley Judd in it, and it was about um, a space cube, I believe. That one was bad, but it might be better than this one. I mean, I think I had a little more fun. Is this this the second Next Generation episode that we've done? It is. They're huge dorks for Next Gen, just like you are for Taxi. (laughs) Love Taxi. <laughs> to be fair, I just saw this episode on like a rerun just like a few months ago, and then I've just had it in my back pocket. If I suddenly get mm. can't think of anything else to do, and I'm like, fine, we're just doing this one for now. Uh, so we've heard, Carolyn. Do you have anything to update to your history? You still like like the show growing up and such, right? Yeah, I watched it growing up. Um, mm. I liked it at the time. I had a little thing, a micro thing for Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> So where's Wesley? Where's Worf? No, it's fine. Um, uh, My spouse is a big nerd, too, and when I got this season, he was like, oh, you're in the bad times already. <laughs> and I think we might be, yeah. No, this is definitely bad times. I was reading some behind the scenes and how this might have been, like, the watershed <laughs> moment. We're like, yeah, we can't be doing this show anymore. <laughs> they, they had no idea what to do. But anyways, we'll get into that. Uh, yeah, and I'm, yeah, nothing's really changed with my history. I like the show growing up. I, uh... 
watched it. My dad really liked Star Trek, so we watched it together. So if anyone like doesn't like the show or is critical of it, I just take it as a personal attack on me, <laughs> my dad, and my relationship with my dad. So Ryan, what's your history with the show? Oh, what a setup. <laughs> oh man. So I gotta say, so I okay, I'm gonna be the controversial opinion. Because I never liked this show. Like, growing up, I always thought it was really boring. And I I've always kind of wondered, like, if I tried it as an adult, if I would see it through a different lens. Mm. And having now watched this episode, <laughs> I fucking hate this show. I'm sorry, but Star Trek The Next Generation is boring and cheap looking. <laughs> to, to be fair, this would have been, this is a terrible episode to see if you actually could tolerate it. Is, so you're saying that. this is a particularly bad episode? Oh, yeah. I get a feeling of, like... You know when you're, like, uh, so bored that, like, you feel it in your body? Like, you feel sad and, like, it's crushing you? That's kind of how I've always felt about this show. And I had just the worst time sitting through this episode. I watched it, like, an hour ago, and it was really unpleasant. (laughs) I would not claim that I could, like, turn you into a fan with certain episodes. Like... I just think there's others that you'd probably find some sort of enjoyment. Like, oh, that's not just a terrible slog of people just talking the entire time and nothing else happening. Like, this really felt like a radio drama for most of it. Yeah, I do yeah. like how when, like, a thing, like, if they get hit with a laser, how they all kind of shake <laughs> yeah, around. Exactly. I like that. <laughs> David, why did you pick this episode? Did you like get lonely for our one season wonders? <laughs> yeah, I just picked this. Well, like I said, I just had, didn't have anything in mind, and then I thought of like I had this in my back pocket for a while, so I went with it because it's a very special episode. I mean, more or less. I mean, True. Star Star Trek does like to do its like political allegories and stuff a lot, so a right. lot of them can get like this. But I mean, it fits with our theme of our podcast, so then it was it just something does. to pick and. It's good and depressing. <laughs> and it is a, an issue we have not actually discussed on this. Uh, warp warp on drives? This. If <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the dangers of space. warp drives. Oh, guys, I thought it was warp drives. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Warp drives could never cause any problems. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's tough to defend that it's there, it's usually a bit more dialogue heavy, and the special effects have not aged well since you know. The I mean, 80s. they weren't even good at the time. I remember yeah. that too. Well, and all, and TV just was cheaper at this time too. It's like mm-hmm. TV just got started looking good in the last like three years. Yeah, well, I guess I'd argue, argue. I'd say like they weren't good at the time, but this was a show probably trying to do more special effects than most TV because they just knew they couldn't do it. Well, anything. one of the things I mean, I don't. I like original Star Trek because it's funny, but other than that, mm-hmm. I don't really like any Star Trek. Um, yeah. And one thing I don't like about Star Trek is how all the aliens are just like a regular guy with like some fucking plaster on his forehead. Oh man, yeah, I have that note. The ugly forehead aliens. Yeah, but like every <laughs> alien is a. And there wasn't one alien called the Kardashians? <laughs> the Kardashians. Oh, uh, uh, that was very interesting to me. <laughs> well, some aliens just look human, but with uh, pointy ears, though, too, Ryan. No, they all just have like a minor alteration to their heads. Yeah. That's it. I mean, every alien species. 
Hey, David, is there ever an alien that has, like, it looks totally normal, but then he takes off his shirt and he has, like, 50 buttholes? <laughs> I don't remember that one. I do remember uh, in the original series, this is just a forehead thing, but it just there are aliens that just look like they had giant butts on their foreheads. Yeah. <laughs> and as a kid, that'd make me giggle. And then it also made me start thinking, like, if it was literally a butt, like, what their toilets would be shaped uh, like yeah. and such. Like, if you had to poop out of your forehead, how would that change how we live, you know? Oh, man. Disastrously. (laughs) It'd It'd be an interesting life we'd live, but... (laughs) <laughs> Alas, our butts are just behind us, and we can barely see. Back, them. back to our humdrum world of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, butts behind us. Yeah. The behinds are behind us. Yes, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, all right, so we start the episode with a cold open, like most episodes, <laughs> and this uh, hot scene deals with <laughs> Data coming into Jordy's quarters. <laughs> And then uh, seeing that uh, Jordy's having a hard time babysitting Data's cat and is threatening to kill his cat because the cat Spot uh, has broken vases, chairs, and teapots. Mm-hmm. And they refer to Spot as a female cat, which is fine, except for the fact that apparently all the time before this episode, they referred to it as a male cat. And then from here on out, they referred to it as a female cat. And no one knows why that happened. But I guess there's a lot of subplot where the cat changed genders, right? That's interesting. That's that's interesting. (laughs) That would have been a good episode. No, it wouldn't. (laughs) Anyways, uh, the whole thing ends with uh, Jordy saying, All right, we have to get her out of here. I'll scare her. You grab her when she comes out, okay? I do not think it would be wise to startle her. Training. Definitely. This is the cold open, and that's the hook for the episode. Like, (laughs) if you're just flipping channels... (laughs) And you're like, oh, what's on here? And you're like, oh, there's these people in space that need to train a cat. I got to keep watching this episode. <laughs> oh, shit. Are they going to train a cat? And also, uh, sorry, it's jumping ahead, but and maybe I just wasn't paying attention very well, but do they kind of drop that plot line? <laughs> oh, yes. Wow. Well, all right. <laughs> I feel like it doesn't get resolved. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, I, we can... Hey, I was just going to mention that there have been other episodes where, like, literally the cold open ends with the Enterprise exploding with all the crew aboard. And, oh. and, and that's something that'll be like, shit, I got to find out what's going on here. And then training yeah. a cat sucks. So apparently the story, according to IMDb trivia, is basically when they wrote the script, it was like half the length it needed to be. So you'll be shocked oh. to know that this cat stuff is just padding. Oh. Yeah, I kept waiting for the cat story to sort of relate to the <laughs> other... Well, there's a whole part where I wasn't sure if they were talking about the cat or something from a previous episode I hadn't seen. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, because then there's another half plot of, like, Jordy being in competition with this other, like, engineer aboard a different ship. And and is that an existing character, or that's just a new... Mm, no, that's just all okay. BS just made for this episode to no end, like... <laughs> all right. This is a bad episode. What right? are, yeah, it is. <laughs> what are they doing on this show? 
Like, are they going somewhere? What is the premise of this show? Their job is to space around until they see planets and then, like, poke them and then, like, go, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the idea of what their mission is is to explore or brave or boldly go where no person has gone before. So it's the same as the original, but, this one? Yeah, so so it's basically they're a science mission, and so they're just supposed to go off into space and find what's out there kind but of thing. But they never go it. Do they ever leave the ship? Like, sometimes it's like Robin Hood on the holodeck, but they never <laughs> go to, like, a planet, right? They do. Do they? they They'll go to the surface do. of a planet, yeah. Not very much, though, right? Probably not as often as you'd think. I'll put it down. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to actually look through it, but... <laughs> And when they go into a planet, somebody can die, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. well, that would be more interesting than anything I saw in the last <laughs> episode. I mean, they've traveled back in time and met Mark Twain, and there's been Dude, stuff that's happened. But... I fucking hate this show. Dana's <laughs> girlfriend died in a puddle. What? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's half-girlfriend. They just did it once, and they weren't really like an item. Oh, Data. Data. I thought you said David. So I was like, what? No, David's <laughs> girlfriend's great. She's been promoted to wife. Yes. She's a wife now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But watch out for puddles, David. That's all. Yeah, I know. Sure, keep your eye on those puddles. Watch out. Yeah, that was on. That happened on the surface of a planet. That's it. Right. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> so we get the uh, opening credits, and then we... Go to like a briefing room and you get the Picard voiceover that they're searching for a missing medical vessel, the Fleming. And they kind of set the stage for the episode where David gives us an overview of the area they're in in space where there's apparently Tetrion particles everywhere. So the only, except for one narrow corridor, and apparently Tetrion particles interrupt warp drive. So the only place they can actually use warp is through this one corridor of space in this one section of the galaxy. And uh, the Enterprise sensors will be stunted. I guess that's a thing that we need to know about. And uh, and so they're searching for the ship and the only the local alien race, the Hakari, said that the only ship that has passed through recently is a Ferengi ship. So now they're concerned that the Ferengi have like destroyed or uh, attacked the Fleming and took its valuable medical supplies. And that's that's a setup. David, a lot of interesting David, stuff. You, yeah. sh- you should hear yourself right now. <laughs> <laughs> you should feel shame when you listen to this and edit it later. <laughs> Bunch of- I think I felt shame saying it. I'm like, but I, I don't know. I'm just explaining the episode. I guess. <laughs> Do you have any comments? What what kind of science did they get wrong, Ryan? <laughs> I don't know. I can't even sit through this shit. I think this is exactly where the actors felt at this point of recording. Like, they felt bad saying the lines. They can't sit through this shit. And they're like, what are we doing with our lives and time? I think we agree with them in the show that <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but it doesn't get any better because the next scene is in engineering and Jordy is just working on the warp drive, and this is where he brings up his competition with some off-screen engineer, where he's just, like, exchanging, like, flirtatious emails about how efficient their drives are. (laughs) That's what boys do. Yeah, we're always comparing our drive efficiencies. (laughs) Like, get a ruler and call it a rest. (laughs) And then Jordy thinks he's done something, but then when he asks the computer to say what the efficiency is, it hasn't improved at all, and there's almost an audible womp womp. 
And I think we all had a hearty laugh at that. Not hearty, no. I liked <laughs> when he was like spraying the crystals with a laser. That was kind of interesting. <laughs> Uh, so then Data is like, Jordy, stop fucking around with the engine. We got to actually fix these sensors. So then they just start walking around talking about all the stuff they have to do to the sensors that nobody cares about. Yeah. But that moves into talking about training spot and Data's trying all sorts of weird high tech gadgets that we don't know about. And then Jordy suggests, how about a phaser? A low stun setting at just the right moment might do the trick. Jordy. I cannot stun my cat. And that's the only line that got a laugh from me. He can't stun the cat, but he's okay with shocking the pussy. That's what Tasha Yar said. <laughs> wait, wait, wait are you died. sure he's okay with shocking the pussy? No, I just have. But if he, if he says he's fully functional, then <laughs> you gotta include the shocker yeah, in that. He's gotta know the shocker. Well, <laughs> he's got a thumb and a pinky finger. Yeah. I am so bored. I'm talking about Data and Tasha Yar doing it this whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, even if it was the most exciting Star Trek episode, you'd still be talking about Data and Tasha Yar doing it. It's time. <laughs> Is that a character that he has sex with? Yeah, big yes. time. Yeah, she's the one who dies, though. She's the one who turns into a puddle, basically. Oh, like... she turns into a puddle. Yeah, well, no, I don't think she turns into a puddle, actually. It's a puddle that kills all... The puddle turns into, like, a life form and then, like, kills her. Okay. <laughs> Is it okay? I mean... Okay. Mm-hmm. It's fine. <laughs> uh, Data wonders if cats are even trainable, and then Jordy says he doesn't believe that at all. His sister trained her cat to jump into her lap by putting tuna in her blouse. Yeah, that was weird, like a joke like that. It just kind of makes you think about, like, does his sister live on Earth? Like, do people have normal lives in this? Yeah, like, it's all this space-based sci-fi, but then it's, hey, my cat's being bad. But then then somebody, like, well, they'll just still have tuna fish and cat problems, even though they can push a button Mm. and be like, give me cat food, two, three, five, nine, one, seven. (laughs) I'm just like, I would think that tuna would be extinct at this point. (laughs) You would think, I guess. I don't don't know. Maybe there's a tuna planet where they have weird fish vaginas on their foreheads. Probably. It's just weird when they make, like, cheesy kind of sitcom-esque jokes on a show like this, you know? Yeah, I know. I, I think the writers were just struggling for dialogue this entire episode. Yeah, I think it was like a draft, and then they just <laughs> produced the draft. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck? We'll talk about tuna. In their blouses, but yeah. <laughs> You're making the dog upset with how crappy this episode was. <laughs> this was a riveting episode of energy pulses and void creation. So is, it, is it almost over? Uh, no! no. We're, on, we're only on scene four, and I think there's like 18 scenes. <laughs> so that what happens. We're on the bridge. And and Jordy and Data are called to the bridge, I should say, because there is a ship that they approaching. So then they get to the bridge and we find out it's a Ferengi ship, but Mm. it's like completely dead. Its warp core is down. It's just kind of floating there in space. So then through some Star Trek mumbo jumbo, Jordy thinks he can communicate with it still with, I don't know, energy pulses, something. But then the Frankie ship just starts firing on the Enterprise. That's where they do the cool, Picard does like this gangster lean when the, 
when the <laughs> ship gets shot. I like that <laughs> part. <laughs> yeah, the Enterprise kicks its ass, which then you make you think, like, what this Ferengi ship was even trying to do. But the, so after they've disabled the Ferengi ship for real this time, uh, they open a channel and the Ferengi there accuses the Enterprise of disabling their vessel beforehand. And Picard's like, we didn't do anything to you before. And he's like, we don't believe that. And now it looks like there's a bit of miscommunication happening. I like to, I like Picard's <laughs> diplomacy. He's like, all right, man, we'll just leave you alone. We'll, we'll help, we'll, we'll help <laughs> your people find you, but we'll just peace out because you're being a fucking dick, you know? Like, Damon, clearly there has been some misunderstanding. I think it would be in all our interests if you were to come aboard and we discuss this situation. I see no reason to trust you, human. In that case, we'll be on our way. I'll relay your position to your government if you wish, in case you're unable to complete your repairs and you remain stranded. Perhaps uh, it would be better to discuss the situation. He's like, I guess I'll just drink all this hot cocoa by myself. <laughs> with put with little mar- marshmallows. marshmallows, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll just have to eat this whole lasagna myself. <laughs> uh, this Ferengi is named, uh, one moment here. Gleef Glorp. Yeah, I know. Damon Prack. Wow. But okay. da- Damon is spelled D A I M O N. Whatever. I know. He's played by <laughs> Lee Ehrenberg. He's, I don't know, been a character actor. Apparently, he was also in quite a few episodes of Once Upon a Time, which I don't think any of us have seen. So, so then the Ferengi are short? <laughs> I don't know if they're always short. They're never physically imposing, for the, as far as I know. And then, like, they're dicks? Are they pretty yeah. well-defined, like the species of Star Trek or... Well, like most sci-fi, every species just has a character trait, and yeah. they all seem to, like, abide by that trait, except every once in a while you just want to prove that they're not all alike. So the the Ferengi are generally, they're kind of the villain of later Star Trek, and they're very greedy. They're just mm-hmm. always in it for uh, gaining credits or money or something, so... So the so the idea that they'd attack a vessel to get the valuable medical supplies is just something in character with it. Just really something Ferengi would do. Yeah, the very Ferengi move to be like asshole pirates. So even in a future space utopia, there's still certain races that really like money. Yeah, exactly. We're still going to define races by one characteristic, and then they'll all just abide by it. Apparently, yeah, they're all just one way. <laughs> you just still gonna press a button for cat food. I'm gonna eat cat food till we fucking run out of this shit. <laughs> well, that's the other weird thing is like, what does money mean? like? They have replicators and yeah. like the holodeck, and then that makes you like, what does money even mean? Well, they can't get everybody these things. Is that I don't know. Yeah, like how much for a jo in the holodeck? Mm-hmm. I know everyone would just be having fantasy sex in the holodeck all the time. Let's Big be honest. Time. Yeah. All the yeah, time. Exactly. Or then you'd pay Q to show up and, I don't know, still have weird sex. <laughs> Wait, do you think you could just pay Q to show up? I mean, I don't know, with something, blood or drama. He's a drama queen. <laughs> he is a drama queen. I don't know what that means. <laughs> See, Ryan, it would be good if we watched a good episode. <laughs> I, I think that this is it for me and Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> Shit, brutal, but fair. Okay. I broke Ryan. You did. Whoops. Uh, so then the next scene is the captain's quarter, and 
uh, Damon says that he came across a Federation sensor buoy and it sent out a pulse that disabled their ship, so he thinks it's like a Federation weapon. Oh, yeah, I like uh, how Picard looks kind of like distant and bored at the beginning of the meeting. And actually, in the very beginning, like when they're having a, like a staff meeting, Worf looks that way too. He just looks like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck. Like he won't Because even... he knows this is his only like scene. Yeah, he has like he, two scenes. He's just like looking down at the table. He's like not making eye contact with anyone. I don't know. I think he had to be in like makeup for like eight hours before any like scene. So like. <laughs> To do all that for, like, one line is probably a little disheartening. Pretty annoyed, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Riker then mentions the other ship and say, well, maybe they were attacked too. And then Damon says, well, they did pass that ship and it was fine a few days ago. And then they're like, oh, where was the ship? Where was it going? And then Damon says, well, our logs would tell us that, but everything's disabled and there's no way we can fix it. And the card's like, well, maybe if we helped you out, wink, wink. And so now the Frankie decided that as long as uh, the Enterprise helps them fix their sensors, then they can, uh, they'll help them find the new ship. And I think that's the end of the Frankie stuff, if I recall correctly. Teamwork, Frankies. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I want to say about the Frankie ship that when I saw it. I laughed because it just looks like a stupid Ferengi face, kind of stretched out <laughs> flat. It like, does. Like it looks kind of like the ice cream sandwich version of it. You know, you'd get from like an ice cream truck, all mushed and weird and bad. It's still edible. Yeah, <laughs> I'd, still I'd eat, eat it. I'd eat the Ferengi ship. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you need a bun and an olive, Ryan, or are you just going in raw? You know, I don't like olives. Oh shit! It's like the only thing I don't like to eat. They're so aesthetic on a hamburger. That's what the Millennium Falcon was kind of based off of. Off of an Wait. olive? Yeah, like oh. a sandwich with an olive. I don't understand what? that at all. Well, <laughs> I'll show you a chart later. Can't wait to see. Let's talk about Star Wars. I like Let's Star Wars so much. Star Wait, wait. I'm, I'm, so you think <laughs> a sandwich with olives was the basis of the Millennium Falcon? Yeah. Is, that, is that your contention? It's true. Look it up. And then look up Alf sucking some dick in an alley. <laughs> no, it was <laughs> Willie. Yeah. <I> Willie <laughs> would suck dick in an alley. And, you yeah. don't know that he didn't bring an elf to do it, too. <laughs> Ryan, if you're going to have sex with Willie, would you require Willie also bring an elf? Yes. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. All right, all right. Yeah, we're all in agreement. So <laughs> the next scene is uh, Data's quarters, and Data is trying to train Spot. Right. Uh, shockingly, the cat is not listening to Data's commands. And then Jordy comes to talk about boosting power levels, and then he's like, oh, but how's the training going? And then Data's saying, not well. And then Jordy says, well, maybe the cat isn't trainable. And I'm like, that's literally the exact opposite thing he said last scene you were in. He's just, he's just uh, ruminating, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he's fickle. What is it where they're so smart and it's a space of utopia and they all probably have health care, but they don't have books about animal training? You can't yeah, well, train a cat. You just can't. You can. I don't care if it's the future. There are cat circuses. What? Yeah, you can train a cat. Well, I mean, according to this, like, cat sciences haven't updated since, like, the 1980s. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> everything that was written then just is true now that cats aren't trained. Or true in the future, I should say, that cats aren't trainable. Cats just do their own thing, man. That's why I respect mm-hmm. them. <laughs> it's not like dogs, but, I mean, there's a bunch of cats that can, like, 
walk through the screen when they're supposed to. There's TV yeah. cats. There's stunt cats. They can be trained. I mean, and it's all your definition of training because there are certain things my cat knows. Like even now, like uh, when I have to, f- I have an automatic feeder for my cat, but then I have to fill the feeder every once in a while. And then when I first got my cat, he uh, would always just try to attack the food and stuff mm-hmm. when I'm trying to fill it. And so then I'd put him in like the bathroom or something to fill it. But now I have him trained where he just sits next to the feeder as I fill it. And then, but he knows I'm going to give him a little extra in the opening dish. And then when I close it, that's his cue to actually start eating. And he's figured that out. Well, he knows that. My cat won't stop standing on the table in the dining room. <laughs> and there's just nothing will make that change. Yeah, the cat wants to do it. So. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. For some things, cats generally just want to do the, their thing, too. They just don't think about things the same way as us. Mm. They like to go up high. Maybe if yeah. you put, like, a different shelf it could get on, it wouldn't do the table as much, but that's no my, promises. That's my plan, is to get a higher space near the table. Yeah. yeah. Get a little high-high. They always want some place to perch so they can hit, you know, something yeah. that's below them. Yep. <laughs> They just bam, want bam, they're bam, safer bam. up high, and then they can see everything around them. But you're not training them. You're just accommodating them, you know? I know. Well, that's where it's like there's – you get weird into what's training and what's not because they certainly learn. Like, they learn what they can and can't do. Like, as in they'll learn when they get fed and stuff, and you could call that training, but is it? I don't know. No, they just know. They just have a routine. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. That was a pretty um, good episode of Star Trek. Yeah, I know. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Great, guys. So then, as Data feeds his cat, and as they're leaving, the cat meows at Data. So then Data gets a ball of yarn to play with the cat. And then Jordy notes that how well the cat has trained Data. Mm. That's pretty funny, right? I laughed a lot. And if you want to know, that's the end of the cat subplot. And it does not uh, appear or thematically connect to the rest of the episode in any way. So that was it, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to bring something up when we get to it. Mm, all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Heads up, guys. I'm going to bring something up when we get whoa, to it. That's why you be prepared for that. <laughs> so then we go to engineering, and uh, we just learned that Jordy is still in competition with this other guy about power levels and stuff. And he uh, this time he accomplishes whatever he is he does, and he beats the other engineer. And I think that's pretty much the end of that, too. So, Wow, they're really just We're, knocking out these subplots. Yeah, <laughs> wrapping up these exciting subplots. Uh, we go back to the bridge, and the Enterprise has come across a debris field. They think it might be the Fleming. Something odd is emitting a signal from within the debris, though. So they, instead of learning from anything the Ferengi just told them, they decide to just investigate it. And, of course, the thing sends out a pulse that now disables the Enterprise's warp drive. And, uh, and then a vessel with two life forms near. And the life forms beam aboard the engineering room. So they have, like, these veiny... Heads and these anus foreheads. Yeah, yeah, they have like a very like uh, uh, I'm trying an orifice for a forehead that yeah. you can a really f- yeah. orifice head. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or a forehead. Uh, or for a, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I like when they just start shitting diarrhea out of their head while they're talking to Picard. And Picard it's quite just, the power play, you know. It's how you prove right. you're the alpha. You can shit over everyone. Here. That was the best part. 
<laughs> the parts we make up in our head. Yeah. Um, the intru- these two aliens just say, you're killing us. And then everyone's like, what are you talking about? And that's how it goes to another commercial break. So we go to the briefing room and we learn that these people are Hikarin, and those are the local aliens, and they were kind of mentioned before, the species anyways. And these are two doctors, Raval and Sarova, whose actors are, I could just say their name for completion's sake, but... uh, They're just some actors you've never heard of. Michael Corbett and Margaret Reed, who are kind of character actors that were on soap operas. So, there we are. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to uh I don't know, pad this episode like with like cat training. You don't uh, <laughs> too. How's that cat doing? I wanna see the cat. You wanna see Bon Jovi? Yes. He looks like Spot actually, and it's kinda it's kinda weird. And he's uh not always so trainable. Uh so <laughs> So they they are claiming that uh, warp drives are causing disturbances in space and that eventually it's going to cause a giant problem. Like, this m- massive mode of transportation mightn't be harmful to the environment, we'll say that. Jordy's uh, like, yeah, we kind of heard about this once, but the data didn't hold up. And I assume that's because Big Warp Drive got to the council. Yeah, and- yeah totally. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea, right? So what's it creating, like, purple space holes? Well, the idea is it's, like, weakening the space around it, and then eventually, and it's a cumulative effect, so it, like, doesn't go away, and that eventually, if you keep using warp within the same space, it'll create the purple space hole. So it's, and it's particularly affecting these guys because they live in, like, a narrow passageway of space? Yeah, because you can only do warp through that one corridor because of whatever those tetrion field so that's why they're getting hit hardest with this and uh, they're at the most the biggest risk okay that makes sense which, which all makes sense does not make for excitement or interest but it does make sense at least you know it's an interesting premise to go like oh they're always using warp drives and like oh what if there's actually like a bad effect on space that's an interesting idea yeah but yeah they yeah they they could have gotten a good episode out of it mm-hmm. i mean it's very much an allegory and but that's what Star Trek usually is, of course, is just using their own stories to pull put a mirror onto our current times. Really or a mirror, mirror. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they hide it well, or they have better stuff happening. Well, sometimes there. it's just wrapped in a more interesting uh, <laughs> case. Or uh-huh. yeah, like sometimes they go outside. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Sometimes it's not just that the climax isn't the, all of them just sitting in a chair saying what the ship is doing at the moment. Uh, yeah, basically, so there's a talk of the data and how, yeah, uh, how Jordy isn't necessarily buying that this data is correct. But then the Hikarans are saying that, uh, are, have, t- are these two scientists take ownership of the little uh, probes that are disabling ships because they want to stop the warp drive. So they're kind of eco-terrorists. And Riker's pissed about this. And then... So then the agreement is that uh, Sarova says she will help fix the ship in exchange for if uh, they'll review the new data they have on warp drives. And Jordy's pissed about it, but says they will, and data will review the data. Uh, Carolyn, any opinion on warp drives? Well, you know, I'm still going to use them. 
Maybe it's unethical, but... Carol, you're part of the problem, man. I absolutely am, but you know what? Society's the problem. How am I going to go find a new green space lady to make passionate love to if I have to wait two weeks? Like, I'm not going to wait two weeks. That's fair. You can't just... And to be fair, like, the effects of this warp drive, you'll probably be, like, old and maybe dead by the time, like, it really comes to affect you. So really. I can't wait to be dead from the effects of this. <laughs> I can't. Before the effects of it, you know? I can't wait till you're dead either. Thank you. <laughs> Not really. Uh, Ryan, what me. do you think? What are you doing to save the warp poles? Um, well... I commute, so right. I take the warp drive bus to work. <laughs> so, like, we're still using warp drives, but it's, like, more people at once, at least. Yeah, we're exactly. consolidating our warp drives, so I feel mm-hmm. like that's lessening our impact on mm-hmm. some space. That's true, and everyone's got to commute, unless you don't. Some people don't have to, which is dope, but yeah, well, I mean, we have to figure out great space buses for people. It's true. Yeah, I use just uh, electric warp drives. So, I mean, sometimes you have to actually stop your ship and then, like, recharge it. Because you can't just go indefinitely as long or as farther. And there's not always charging, like, space stations around as often as you'd like. But, you know, you do what you can. That's really fancy. I have a dream of converting, like, cool-looking ships (laughs) to electric ship drives. Yeah. (laughs) And not always have lame-looking ships. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, all the ships that are coming out these days are just, like, fucking ugly next to the psychosexual beauties of yore. Would you you have sex with a spaceship? Oh, yeah. I I would lick a ship. And see where it goes. <laughs> you start off slow and just see see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the next scene is engineering. <laughs> <laughs> Jordy is pissed that the warp drive will take weeks to recalibrate. So I guess that's kind of wrapping up that plot about him making it as efficient as possible. So now it's all ruined uh, thanks to these eco terrorists. You know what is his his sexual friend companion guy think? Wait, what? We don't talk. Rival engineer. We don't. Oh yeah, we, we don't just know. don't even talk about him anymore. Yeah. Tony Shalhoub or whatever. Okay. He's he's training the cat now. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it goes good. See, those two plots just synced up. We just didn't know, right? Yeah. <laughs> he changed the cat's gender. He's yeah. He changed the cat's gender. He's like, I'm going to show Data can train a cat, even if he can't. I guess I don't know. <laughs> And that's not quite training, but it is It is something. So. <laughs> it's like, I can't train the cat, but I can help the cat be who they are. Yeah, you no. know. Just express their true selves, you know. Yeah. Uh, cat's still a dick, though, but the cat's meant to be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Rabal, I think his name is, talks to Jordy. Uh, so, yeah, Jordy's pissed about the calibration. Then Rabal talks to him, saying... And you sound just like I did. About four years ago. You mean you didn't believe her either? No. What I didn't realize was just how brilliant my sister is. It took two years of study for me to even grasp the principles behind her theoretical models. They're that sophisticated. Yeah, he's like, I was once a warp drive denier. 
Yeah, exactly. I saw the information. Yeah, and then he's like, but then I decide to believe the information. I'm like, that's not really any actionable item for anybody watching at home. Well, I got news for this guy about his sister. (laughs) What's that? Isn't she about to die? (laughs) Spoiler alert, but yeah, I don't know why that... (laughs) All right. Uh... Uh, Rabal then also notes that the, that his plan is just going to have to give up warp drive completely, and Jordy just can't fathom making a sacrifice of inconveniencing your travel just for the sake of the universe. So we go back uh, to engineering, and this time, or this might be Picard's room, where they're kind of going over everything they found. Picard wants to know from Data if the science is valid, and Data says it might be, but there's no great way to test it. Kind of like how... You might theorize that pumping tons of carbon dioxide into a planet's atmosphere will cause it to heat up to a degree that radically changes our ecosystems, but the only way to definitely prove it is just to continue doing it and then watch what happens to the planet, which kind of sucks as as an experiment if this happens to be the only planet you live on. Yeah. But, you know, if you can't prove it definitively with an actual real-life physical test, then it's not worth even trying to make any changes for I mean, who cares about ecosystems, though? Yeah, exactly. Just means more shoreline. I don't know what the problem is. Property <laughs> value is going up. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Data's suggestion is that they commission a research vessel to come to this like, corridor and just monitor the effects. But Thoreau is like, well, that's just more delays. We actually have to do something about it. So we go to the bridge, or, so yeah, they, they locate the Fleming, and their warp drives, the Enterprise's warp drives are online, so they are going to go into warp to go save the Fleming, but then the, the Hakaran ship flies off with only one person on it, and it's Sorova. And this is what Ryan was alluding to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is Sorova overloads the warp engines of the ship, to create a massive warp drive rupture, which then creates the subspace rift that was theorized about. And yes, I did feel bad saying those things too, Ryan. But... Good, I'm glad you felt bad. <laughs> Jordy is amazed that Sarova was right, and the Fleming is in the rift. And now the Enterprise needs to try to find their way into the rift to save the Fleming, but they can't because they can't use their warp drives within the subspace rift. Okay. So were you shocked to find out she was right, Ryan? I just didn't care at all. <laughs> I just kept checking how much longer the episode was. It felt like we were in a warp zone rift of extra time on the episode. I know. I was shocked that we were only like halfway through this episode. Right. Well, this was probably like a th- two-thirds of the way through. I don't know. Because I feel like halfway through is when the aliens finally showed up. And you're like, oh, now actually something's going to happen instead of them just talking about sensory David, the whole time. (laughs) Nothing. When the sister dies, I want them to cut to the cat. And the cat's just like pushing a space vase off the counter. (laughs) That would be a good good (laughs) allegorical image, right? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You should have directed this episode, Carol. Thank you. I think so. Right. Yeah. Glad we agree. Uh, the next scene is engineering. Data and Jordy are studying the rift. Raval starts scanning the rift for stabilities to see if there's any place they can go within the rift. It's all very like 
I'm trying to think of the right term. Like, boring as fuck? Yeah, well, you have no context for what they're talking about, like what a rift is, like what does it mean to have a stability within it that the Enterprise could... Is it always like that? Is, is it always science. like that on Sometimes. Star Trek? Are they always just like babbling a bunch of horseshit? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, but sometimes it's faster, or sometimes it's better, or sometimes um, Riker will be dressed like a male prostitute. Ooh. Yeah, sometimes they're babbling horseshit, but also shooting lasers at each other. And but like, does yeah. it ever, like, is it ever based in actual science? Uh, uh, I don't know. I can't speak to it. What's real science? And sometimes John luc Picard will be dressed like a male prostitute. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. John luc Picard gets it. He gets it, not as much as Shatner, but he gets it. And and what's her name? Deanna Troy. She gets it too, right? Yeah, well, it's interesting when I think of this episode and the distinct lack of, well, except for the sister. Like, all the main female characters just really aren't on this in any yeah. significant way. They should ask Deanna what the void feels. Yeah, exactly. Be like, how is the void feeling right now? She's like, I feel emptiness from the void. <laughs> <laughs> this is useful information. I like when the dead sister's brother is like upset and having a meeting. Card's like, "Sorry about the last, but we need your help now." He's like, "Cut the shit." <laughs> to be fair to Picard, there was the, there's the ship that was about to like get destroyed with like hundreds of people on it, and while you recognize that the brother is sad, you're also like, "We got to fucking figure this out fast so we can save these people too." Or he's else like, now he's like, "Quit your bitching." And the guy's like, yeah, all right, all right. He wasn't bitching. He was just kind of like... No, he really held it together, I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll help. I was impressed by his, uh, you know, way he held it together. Yeah, his emotional uh, steadiness through this trying times. That's the utopia part, is that everyone can, like, get their emotions under control. Mm. Yeah, for the greater good. Right? Based on how fast he did it, I thought for sure the sister was going to come back if they weren't really giving her a moment. But spoiler, Mm. no, that bitch dead. dead. Although I feel like she could have, like, started the uh, the warp drive to explode and then, like, beamed off again, but no, uh, whatever. Maybe she'll come back later with a bunch of orphans or something. Yeah, it's always a possibility. So, what? yeah, there's rift studying going on, I guess, and then they find a subspace instability outside the rift, which apparently is of interest, but I don't think that actually goes anywhere, so God, I'm glad wow. they... Went there, yeah. This is a bad episode. Fucking even reviewing sucks. it is even worse than I remember. <laughs> I like when they're gonna rim the rift and see which parts they can get into and then get out of really fast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we go back to the briefing room and Data tells Picard and Riker that they could go to warp drive. Uh, yeah, Data has an idea of going to warp drive, but then stopping the engines and basically like coasting through the rift without having their warp drives active. And then, like, doing everything they need to do to save the Fleming. and But then the trajectory should be sufficient to then get out of the rift. And then they could activate their engines again. So that's their plan. Mm. Which which is fine. But this is all stuff that they'll just be talking about. And we won't actually see. So it's not going to be as exciting. As unexciting as that sounds, it's going to be even less exciting. They go to engineering, and Jordy and Data are doing calculations, which is always fun. So this then, is the part I wanted to bring up, because right? then Jordy's like, I can remember times when I was stubborn, and then they're talking like, she did, blah, 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 and I told her, da, da, da. And I was like, are they talking about the cat? Like, <laughs> <laughs> No, they're talking about the science lady. 
Oh, really? So, really? Yeah. So, yeah. I was like, so they're either talking just, about, uh, I was like, they're either talking about the cat or they're talking about something in a previous episode that I don't know about. Mm-hmm. No, so they're just talking about he, Jordy is kind of beating himself up for not believing the science that oh, these scientists that brought to Oh, that actually makes sense. Okay. Oh man, I like your read, Ryan, where it's like she's really <laughs> stubborn, and I just I should have listened sooner. I thought I was like, is he talking about his mom? Like, what the fuck's he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so he's just saying like he was stubborn in his. Because Data's, like, basically saying she was too pushy so no one would listen to her, which they don't really comment on. Like, Jordy kind of dismisses it as, no, he was feeling, since his life is, like, warp drives, like, he feels threatened when people say they might be bad. Which I guess is an interesting concept that they don't really explore, which is some of the reasons people might be resistant to a lot of environmental messages. Where it's, like, saying something you've been doing your entire life is actually bad almost feels like they're saying you're a bad person for doing them. Yeah. True. Which is, at night, you know, you'd hope people could get beyond that, but it's sometimes it may be important to, like, think about that and the way you present a message, but at the same time, they don't really explore this idea in any meaningful way, and then Data's saying she was too pushy, I'm like, I don't even know if we were supposed to believe that as something that was true, or if Data's just throwing shit against the wall, but I don't know. It doesn't sound great when you're like, this woman's being a little too uppity. Uh... We go to 10 forward, and that's where Jordy talks with the ball and kind of gives his condolences over her, his sister's death. And then they talk about the research and how there needed to be more time, but that they don't really bring up whether they had more time to do the research. Like, was she being too impulsive and not giving enough time? Was there actually time to do this, or was she right and there's just no more time left, and so she had to do something drastic? They don't say, so I don't know. So we just move I just on. I don't know. Yeah. No matter what, if they had time, they didn't use it well. Wouldn't that suck? Yeah, exactly. If uh, there was a lot of warning signs, but everyone's just like, eh, we're, it's all right. Uh, <laughs> we'll either be dead or it's not as bad as we think. So let's just keep going on this pace we're going. Just like Y2K, which was <laughs> fine. Yay. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. Just a lot of worry over nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we head to the bridge again, and the Enterprise is now doing their coasting thing, and they coast through the rift, but then the Fleming has gotten its warp drives activated, and of course, there are a bunch of idiots over there on the Fleming, and so they're just like, we're going to activate our warp drives, because they haven't been listening to any of the science, and they're not really part of this, so they didn't know better, I guess, so they activate the warp drives, and everything gets worse, because... The Fleming is now badly damaged. There's like an explosion or whatever. And now the rift is bigger and the Fleming is damaged. And now the Enterprise it still has enough momentum to get to the Fleming to save them, but not enough to get out of the rift. So they don't know how they're going to get out of the rift. And all of this has been ha- happens by them just telling each other what's happening. And we don't actually see any of this yeah. happen. So this yeah. is where I'm like, this is where I start feeling like it's just total radio drama at this point where they're like, we're going at this rate. This this ship has exploded. Oh no, the rift is bigger. Well, we're still making our way to them. Let's use our... Uh, let's transport everyone aboard the ship. Everyone else aboard now. And you're like, well, I'm glad we saw all that happen off screen. Um, yeah, I'll say that going all the way back to the intro, you know, I feel that 
grandness of this series that you're supposed to feel space the final frontier mm-hmm. and you see all those dope ass planets yeah. and then in this episode they're seemingly just like saving on budget and maybe writing drafts because they're not showing much but we do have to give credit to that one purple hole they showed 40 minutes ago yeah, we did see a purple were, hole. Yeah, we there, saw it. There was guys. a nice purple hole, and those actors really do shake their asses off when uh, yeah. they, they do some move. good moving and shaking. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I guess we should say that, like, yeah, we all know that they just like tell the actors you're being shook, and they all fucking do it. And sometimes yeah. one guy goes right, and everybody else goes left. It's always really fun when they have to shake around. So good. <laughs> I just like how like they keep straight faces while they do it too. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you do feel like I, f- I wonder because that seems funny, but in today's day and age with movies and all the special effects and how little's actually around any actor, it must be one of the weirdest experiences of just seeing like somebody reacting to nothing around them for like hours on end. But, mm-hmm. right. but that's that's the future we're in, which is just actors with a green screen behind them, and sometimes not even other actors around. Yeah, it's just like the holodeck. Hmm. But less J.O.'s. Yeah, so then they're not going to get out, but then Jordy suggests using some of these, like, pulses that have happened from the warp drive to surf on, which, sure, why not? This just adds, I guess, extra drama, but we don't see anything happening, so it's just their voices telling us what's happening. So we learn that the first wave they tried to surf on didn't work, but then Data suggests full impulse might help. So they do that, and then that does work. And that's that's the climax of the episode. Yay! And then they do a barrel roll, and they go into a purple hole. They, they got, like, flung out of it, right? Like, the ship, like, yeah. kind of flung out. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one action shot we get, is just seeing the Enterprise kind of move on its side out of a purple hole. And then the guys are like, whoa. Yeah, then there's more shaking going on. And then the, then Worf is like, a breach is imminent. We're going to die. Oh, we're safe now. <laughs> we go back to the brief- briefing room and Jordy confirms uh, Sarova and Raval's research. Uh, we then get this like 40-year estimate of how bad things are going to get if nobody changes anything. And one thing we know is if you get projections about like 20 to 30 years in the future about how bad things are going to be, people are going to spur into action and we're going to have big solutions to solve the problem, right? make moves right away. So then mm-hmm. I didn't really understand the new regulations. They're like, we only use level 5 warp from now yeah. on. So it's like, is, is that good? I don't know. Like, is that a compromise or is it a big change? Like, I, don't I think know. it's pretty half-assed no matter what. <laughs> well, all right. So the Picard gets a new director from the Federation, which is first to say that high-risk areas, they reduce everything. So you can't even warp through them except for essential travel only. Okay. Which... We don't know what essential means. Like, yeah, I was, at, like, uh, I was at a milk. I had yeah, uh, exactly. essential, <laughs> you know? essential but, milk travel. But then, yes, then all other and non-high risk areas, ships will be limited to warp five, which is, I mean, through the series, they always are going at like warp seven, eight, nine. Oh, okay. So all right. That's kind of a drastic drop for them. Now, yeah. we're assuming the science works out that that's just better. And then they're like... This will this is a, this is a still a way for them to travel somewhat efficiently without causing as much harm until they figure out what they can do to reverse it. Now, this is also something that never gets referenced again, basically. And then, yeah, well, this is and, towards the end of the series, isn't it? Yeah, but then there's also like spinoff series that take place like in the same 
you know, universe. And they're just work 12 in it all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, apparently the writers hated it, hated this idea and just didn't want to do it. And then there's part of me that understands because you're watching a science fiction show. You just want them to go fast. But, yeah. you know, just do That's stuff. That's why you're not... part of the problem, David. Well, isn't that kind of... Yeah. it's It's kind of like if you're going to have a character die, having it be a character no one likes lessens the impact of, like, death on the viewer, and it's kind of like, well, if you're going to have an environmental message, part of, you know, environmentalism is making sacrifices for the greater good, so you could argue that, like, having a tangible effect on the show could just show what's needed to be done, like, to better the world, like, try to, like... what you're saying is that if Star Trek shows that came later had um, stuck to this Warp 5 plan, we wouldn't be in the predicament we are today with climate change. (laughs) Well, I do have a note that says, you know, in this episode, a governing body took drastic actions for the betterment of the future. So this show really is science fiction, isn't it? Ah. Ah. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just, I don't know. If you could probably have ways to, like, help people empathize with it or something. I don't know. When, David, when you said that a character died that no one liked, were you referring to Tasha Yar? <laughs> I'm just saying if, like, Saved by the Bell had Screech die, how sad would you be, Carolyn? Well, less sad, right, than Becky the Duck. Oh, exactly. That was a great tragedy. See, Thank yeah. You. Becky the Duck ended the oil uh, yeah, yeah. industry. You want to get emotionally involved with this, so sometimes giving the viewer a sense of loss helps connect the story. (laughs) What if if Mr. Belding died in a puddle, guys? Oh, that would be mixed emotions, because he's a school principal, so we want him to die, but also he's our Mr. Belding, so it's hard to say. He also, like, just hangs out on kids' beds. <laughs> do we just want to say by the Bell reviewed again? Let's we'll just talk yeah. about the Bell some more, yeah. <laughs> I never thought I'd want to talk about the Saved by the Bell so much. So that's the end, right? Yeah, I think Picard. Oh, yeah, then, like, everyone leaves but Picard and Jordy, and Picard talks about his travels and how it's hard to take that. Like, he always thought he was doing good, but then him traveling the... Space oh, and then Picard's like, him. and then Picard's like, Jordy, what the fuck was up with that cat subplot? Did you train? Yeah, exactly. What happened? Like, so, so how's this cat being trained? And then what did that have to do with anything? <laughs> and then the cat is running through the the air vents, and it scratches Picard's bald head. Yeah. I mean, I could tell you what IMDb says here. About the cat and his credits. <laughs> yeah, about what the cat's credits are. Yeah, no, let's see if I can figure this. It was like, this episode went through a very troubled production history because the staff couldn't figure out what to do with it. They commented, when the script was written, it was too short. So then we started adding scenes about Data's cat. (laughs) By luck, or by bad luck, all of those scenes came at the beginning of the show. So he had an episode that started fitfully with an unrelated cat subplot. Then it took a turn and seemed to be about Geordi's rivalry with the other guy. Then back to the cat, and finally, in the third act, the real story began. By that point, people were hope- hopelessly lost. It never got back on track, even if its intentions were good. But what happened to the cat? Yeah, what yeah it's cat? still around. But that's the reason there was a cat subplot, was because the writers didn't know what the hell they were doing. I mean, you could argue, like, if there was a debate about whether cats could be trained or not, that could be, like, rolled into the idea of, like, 
can people be trained to do something different that they've been doing their whole life? I don't know. You're really reaching, David. I'm saying there's ways they could have tried to, like, combine the two, but probably the better solution is not to have a stupid cat subplot. Yeah. Unless the cat turned out to be, like, a sentient alien. That would have been something. Or if the cat had fixed the purple space hole. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) With its positivity. Oh. Yeah, there was no point A to point B. Nothing. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. I'm yeah. so glad we watched this. <laughs> Do you have any more additional thoughts, Ren? I think I'm never watching this show ever again. Boy. <laughs> yeah. I don't doubt it. I mean, you could talk to Austin. He'd probably try to turn you on. To the well, then I'm not going to talk to Austin about it. <laughs> it's good that he's gone. Also, I thought it would be fun to talk about a show I don't like, but no, it wasn't. <laughs> you didn't have any fun, Ryan? I mean, I like talking to you guys. This shit Dang. is just boring Jeez. as fuck, man. Star Trek The Next Generation, it should be called Star Trek Boring as Fuck. <laughs> My argument is not episodes are this boring. This is actually a particularly bad episode, probably one of the worst. But... I like that Professor X was in it. Yeah. Slash Gurney Halleck from Dune. Slash John Luke Picard from those coffee commercials, probably. <laughs> right, right. Jean Luc. Only I guess my final thoughts are very similar to Ryan's. This was one of the boringer ones we've watched lately, but I mean we are coming off the highs of the lows. So yeah. So we're getting back to gravity or space, but the lag there. I mean, over. Climate change is probably the worst thing we're going to see in our lifetime, and just watching a space show about it, it didn't, um, mm-hmm. it was an inconvenient warp truth, and I don't know <laughs> if we used the warnings from the 90s about this, so now it's another goof up on our face. Whoops. Yeah, that's that's kind of my point, not that this episode in particular is going to like make any giant changes in the way everyone thinks, but the idea that this episode came out in 1993, so this was very much, climate change was very much a known issue then, and then, not just that it's not solved by now, but the complete lack of action at all to, like, solve this is pretty frustrating. It just kind of sucks, but I don't know what else to say about it. Definitely kind of sucks, David. I'm with you. Well, so what (laughs) sucks more? Climate change and our impending doom... (laughs) <laughs> or this episode. Uh, about 50-50. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's why this sh- this episode is such a great metaphor for climate change and our impending doom, because they both are terrible. They fucking suck. Yeah. yeah. Possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Ryan. Yeah. Where can people find you online? Uh, I got a website. It's oyesverynice.com. O-H-Y-E-S very nice. Um, that's all. Right. Yeah. Carolyn? Uh, well, when I'm not getting my saturation levels up to and including 18%, you can find me online. I'm on Twitter. Uh, Carolyn Main, C-A-R-O-L-Y-N-M-A-I. And like the street, I have another podcast. Pitch Please, check that out on Cranival Studios or buy yourself a deck at pitchplease.fun. And then other than that, just get off the counter, dang it. <laughs> and when I'm not trading my pussy, I I can be on. I'll be on Twitter at Doctor Bits that Doctor spelled out, and at the Real Gentleman of Leisure dot com. 
So, we are a very special episode podcast. Be sure to rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Podbean. You can follow us on Twitter at AVSEPod. You can check out our Facebook page and converse there and convince Ryan that uh, Star Trek The Next Generation is, in fact, a good show, despite all evidence to the contrary. I wonder if I'll get a bunch of shitty mail from this. That would be fun. Everyone should definitely attack Ryan. You will, but it'll just be me, Ryan, (laughs) under different names, like David Ditzenhofer. This is going to be worse than the the back when we had a couple of right-wing listeners still. Yeah. It's going to be worse than that. Mm-hmm. And you can email us uh, at avscpodcast at gmail.com. So for a very special episode podcast, this is David telling everyone, everybody that I cannot stun my cat. That was a very special episode. We dissected that shit from head to toe. Did the time fly by or was it slow? Got so many life lessons. Oh, how we've grown. Seen so much TV that we're gonna explode next time on a very special episode.
dark With a pink hotel, a boutique and a swinging hot spot Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone They pay paradise, put up a parking lot Charge the people a dollar and a half just to see them. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? They pay paradise, put up a parking lot. Hey, farmer, farmer, put away the DDT now. Give me spots on my apples, or leave me the birds and the bees. That you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They pay paradise, put up a parking lot. Late last night, I heard the screen door slam. And a big yellow taxi took away my old man. Don't it always seem to go? That you don't know what you've got till it's gone. We pay paradise, put up a parking lot. I said, don't it always seem to go? That you don't know what you've got till it's gone. We pay paradise, put up a parking lot. We pay paradise, put up a parking lot. We pay paradise, put up a parking lot. <laughs> 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 